Hello, hello, and welcome to the Intersect Podcast. It's me, Noah Coot, along with my absolutely glorious co-host, Michael Ramash. Oh, I feel glorious. Dinner to I made dinner today with one arm. Great. <laughs> yeah, how's your arm doing? Is it is it is it functioning again or not yet? Um, it's uh it's getting there. I can move it around more. I still don't have full range of motions. I can't carry more than like 20, 30 pounds with it or any like weight above five pounds after 20 seconds hurts to her to hold on. But it's getting better. I'm like, I should be halfway through the healing process. But yeah, dude, the dumbest thing about it is, um, you know, when people say like muscles atrophy or like if you don't use, they shrink, right? You know what you say? Like, you know how they say... Um, like you, you, like if something's broken, like the muscle will atrophy. Like if you don't use it. Yeah, like it weakens. You you lose muscle mass. Yeah, you lose muscle mass, volume, etc. Um, one, my left arm is significantly bigger than my right arm. And that is because you broke your right arm. Yes, I broke my right arm. Okay, and so now you've got a weak right arm, and you're gonna have to retrain it to strength. Yeah, but when I say like it's noticeable, like it is very noticeably smaller. It is so weird. Well, you're gonna have fun going out with uneven arms. Yeah, I know, right? And I was like, the worst part is it's my right hand that's like that looks shrunken. I was like, I can't even say anything. I'm like, I don't know, stuff happens. But yeah, I don't know. That's just that's just been me rehabbing. I'm on. I'm on my vacation, paid vacation, uh, right now, so I'm chilling. Um, my f- my family's over. They've been helping me deal with basic tasks, and we go to we've gone to a ton of museums. We gone to, we went to the zoo today, so that's been my life for the past like two weeks. How's yours been, Noah? Um, I'm moving into uh, Cambridge proper now, which is really cool. Um, so. That's getting started, but I'm still really busy. I'm like in a major, I'm starting the deployment on a, another major site. So again, this week it's packed and you know how it is with life and my job. Oh, what state are you in this week? What? what I'm in Kentucky. Are... Good old Kentucky again. Yeah, I'm in Kentucky. Um, I was doing like the preparations last time I was there and now I'm back here in Kentucky doing the um actual installation of this project anyways i'm in kentucky um i'm at least with a co-worker that i usually hang out with a lot whenever he's around so kind of exploring the area found a rock climbing gym so i'm still doing uh, my workouts and uh yeah i don't know it's a little more enjoyable this week i feel like i know the place a little better and uh i don't get as bored but also maybe it's because i'm busier so i don't really have as much free time so Whatever free time I have seems better spent. Yeah, on this also had ice cream tonight for like dessert, so you know I'm happy about that. Hmm. Yeah, no, just trying to reach Noah is impossible. It's like he's a celebrity; you have to like figure out his schedule and work around that. <laughs> yeah, it's I I am a complicated man to catch nowadays because I am never where you'd expect me to be. Um, and I was like, I always say, oh, I'm home during the weekends. But even then, the question is, which home am I at? Yeah, Noah, I want to do brunch Saturday. Where are you? <laughs> I told you I am busy doing carpooling. So, yeah. <laughs> it's all, all, all fun jokes. It, I just happened to be going to Boston this weekend because, like I said, I'm on vacation. And there's no else. How long is your vacation? Being. Is it paid time off? What is going on? Yeah, I took three days off. Why did you just take three days off randomly? Like, because you just because, wanted to? Yeah, my family's with me, and, like, I want to do a long weekend in Boston. I haven't been there for longer than, like, I don't know, a day <laughs> uh, recently. Like, no, my last two visits have literally been uh, under, like, 30 hours. And so if you think that I have to sleep, I've literally been awake in Boston for less than 24 hours my last like two visits and I've been working nonstop more or less since like February 1st like I had that first job and then I had the second this current job and I didn't take any time off in between so I've literally just been running myself to the ground 
so it's nice to relax like i got up today i woke up in my same like oh awful five in the morning time that i normally wake up at but i was just like i had no work and no work emails like no annoying calls every five minutes i was just chilling you didn't get added to a team's chat called it crisis <laughs> no it crisis at least if there's an it crisis no one has reached out to me so i've just been chilling well, how valuable are you as an IT guy? Are they, are you the first person they'll reach out to if there's an IT crisis? I the some people should, like three people out of a hundred, yeah. <laughs> okay, valid. To be fair, I had like a my big my boss boss like the the head honcho call me the other day as like a first point of contact. So that that was that was fun. That was stressful. Also, That's some like, good news, though. That, that, was, that shows your value. That was five minutes before I was supposed to leave. To say I was unprepared was an understatement. So, what what do you do? Like, when I was saying being unprepared, I'm like, do, do you, as an IT person, do you spend a lot of time sitting around just waiting for a problem to happen? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm more reactive than proactive. I do support doc. I do support documents and, like, we work on projects or like replacements but for the most part i'm just reactive to people's issues i mean i mean i kind of get that i i i would say i'm almost in a similar position where i do a lot of sitting around and doing nothing that's not true i don't do nothing like but i do sit a lot of sitting around and waiting because i often have to uh wait for someone in a separate department to like prepare a certain task and be like hey um, when is this going to be done? Because I can't really progress without you doing this for me. And I can't do this because this is not within my um, scope of work. It's within your scope of work. You know, yeah. I put a deadline. I put a ticket with a deadline for three days ago, sir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but like then I also usually work on documentation or I work on separate aspects of a project I can move forwards with. Sometimes I'm just going to say like, fuck it. I don't care about your redundant networking. I'm just going to run one switch instead of the two switches because I need to just get this shit going and I'll fix it later for you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. Which makes some people mad. But in the, in the end, I'm like, but the customer is happy because the work is done faster. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just the nature of jobs. You can only do what's available to you and you just make and manage that way. That's true. But, you know, that's that's kind of life. It's uh, that's how work is. But, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it's, like, interesting because I feel like IT is one of those jobs which tends to be more reactive than... Um, most others yeah i do you want to start so, getting onto the news i feel like we can start moving forwards with some topics so um what's going on in the world right now uh i think i've heard stuff about like election election cycle starting up right yes yeah, so we still had a couple more midterms happening and the most notable ones are happened in alaska and uh wyoming um so those were the most uh, relevant uh, midterms that happened this uh, this week. Uh, in Alaska, Sarah Palin looks on track to become a a uh, member of the House, uh, which I don't know if you guys remember Sarah Palin. She's like Trump before Trump was a thing. Like she makes Trump seems like a, a, a scholar, like an English scholar. In comparison to when Sarah Palin talks, because I still have no idea what the what she's saying ninety eight percent of the time she's talking, um, and she quit being governor. Like she's straight up like, I'm out, and I'm gonna be in this reality TV show. Um, so like, yeah, that's what that that's was just what it is. But she but she won the primary election, and I think more notable is the. Um, in Wyoming, that uh, that Liz Cheney, uh, f daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney, won the 10 Republicans who voted to impe impeach Donald Trump. Uh, she lost her, uh, her uh, primary to a Republican challenger, and it just uh, 
chilling effect to see that Republicans who took the matter seriously of Donald Trump trying to overthrow the election are not are losing their jobs. Uh, there are ten of them who um, who voted to impeach Donald Trump in the House. Three of them have retired. Uh, all of them have lost their. Uh, most of them lost their primaries. Only two of them are going to be on the ballot in November. So. This is a very concerning trend that's happening, and we see this throughout with people who deny elections or say they have the right to change the election results as they see fit, happening in states like Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin. You're seeing a growing crop of these candidates, even in like uh, Illinois and stuff with J.D. Vance, you're seeing a growing crop of these candidates who are like, who essentially disregard democracy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of seems to be the platform that the GOP has been slowly transforming into whether or not the people whether or not the people working or members of the GOP wanted to happen this way. And unfortunately, I feel like the problem is that as it's transforming into that, more members of the GOP or more uh, politicians are being voted in who push that platform, which is causing that platform to slowly become the agenda of the GOP. And I don't know if it is necessarily the fault of the politicians themselves or the fault of the people, but there is something causing that to be pushed. And it seems like it's very difficult for, I would say, a lot of the more classic Republicans to stop that from going on. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing the evolution of the party. Even Dick Cheney, he had a campaign ad attacking Trump. And we're really seeing is like, is there a place in the Republican Party for someone who's critical of Donald Trump. Is there a place critical is there a place in the Republican Party that defending election results, win or lose, is actually a a win? Because there there's one thing about policy disagreements. Uh, like, okay, you you don't like taxes, you don't like green energy, you believe climate change is a hoax, even though you're wrong. Uh, you believe big business should do whatever they, they like unless they're being woke, whatever. There's a difference between that and being like, I don't think that most people's votes should count. That's that's a that's a scarier thought in a democracy. Yeah. Well, no, it's I want to say it's a bit unfortunate to see the party going in that direction, even though it has the signs of this happening have been out now since at least the last six years at least yeah, a little bit longer but yes you're seeing a party that increasingly is a free, uh, a party that runs in a democratic um election system like democracy not like not democratic party like power to the people where people vote that are increasingly skeptical of the will of the people we are seeing that yeah so, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's unfortunate that's happening, but that's also the reality. And I feel like this is also causing this larger and larger divide from a political point of view within this country, where Democrats are now starting to seem farther and farther um, connected. Like, I mean, I wouldn't say the two parties were connected before, but they seem to be even less and less agreeing of each other um, as the years go by, which I know it's been like a huge topic. Everyone's talking about the polarization. Yeah, the political country, polarization. Yes. Point of view. But it just, it's, it's insane how much it has accelerated, I would say, where before it seemed to be slower. I'm just like, yeah, look, you can see signs of it. And now it's like, it's beyond signs of it. It's, it's a lifestyle it's insane and it just it keeps going faster and i'm kind of curious to see as this upcoming election cycle because we thought last one was polarized like how intense is this next one gonna be well okay there's a there's also a huge thing when you're like okay between the two political parties democrats view republicans as being bad bad governance bad for democracy and just want to help rich people gain advantage versus the Republican Party actively sees the Democratic Party as like they are going to destroy the country. Like uh, even the Democrats now are starting to say like Republicans want to destroy democracy. Um, so it's just like it's a it's a very it's a very awkward situation where you're like this is every election becomes existential. Every candidate becomes existential. 
because it's no longer even policy debate. It's like one party wants to destroy. Uh, so the worst views of each other's parties is one party wants to destroy democracy and the institutions and governing body and rule of law. And the other one wants to destroy the country. Like that's the, that's what the political parties view each other as, at least um, increasingly amongst uh, amongst voters or at least the most passionate of voters like the 30 percent, 20 percent diehards on each side. So the stakes are very different. But that doesn't mean that the body of politics is completely broken. Um, we talk about last episode, a few congressional bills that passed through. Um, officially, we can say that the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, passed both the House and Senate. And as of recording, was signed yesterday by Donald Trump. It's Wednesday. He signed it Tuesday, August 16th. Uh, not Trump. President Biden signed the bill and um, so it's and it's time to remember it's like for as broken as politics seems sometimes it's like there are re- amazing things that happen. Like speaking of the Inflation Reduction Act, we're talking about the largest bill to cl- combat climate change, not in not even like uh, recent years or American history, but the world. Three hundred plus billion dollars to towards renewable energies and combating climate change. This is a large investment in our nation's future and the world's future, honestly, because this puts the U.S. on track to reduce carbon pollutions by 40% according from 2005 levels, which was the peak year. Um, And that puts us in line to almost in line to to towards the Paris Accord agreements and on track for what the U.S. needs to essentially um, avoid the worst risk of climate change, at least on the U.S.'s part. Now it's time for the rest of the world to step up. But we also saw tons of investment towards uh, carbon removal programs. We saw a ton of investment in other in, in initiatives for um, electric cars, battery solutions, innovative technologies. So it's not just, again... And there's more beyond that. It's like uh, Medicare being able to negotiate on drug prices, uh, greater enforcement of tax laws on uh, rich people. Like, politics is not broke. The government and stuff is not completely useless. It's just more broken than it used to be. Because Yeah, I'm trying to think, though, because I've had a person ask, like, how does a bill that, like, makes that spends money on things somehow reduce inflation and such. And I think I'm trying to remember because I was reading through a discussion related to this. One of the major points is actually the investment in uh, sustainable energy, because one major thing is, and if you don't see it now, uh, I'm a little surprised, but it is said that our economy is still very much reliant on the price of gas, which is, and, and the world of energy is a very volatile market. Prices can change very suddenly and drastically. And actually being able to uh, improve our infrastructure with more sustainable energy, not only has the advantage of you know, reducing our impact on the climate, but also um, being able to uh, reduce the volatility of our energy access and supply especially by relying less on natural gas and petroleum and being able to instead rely on our sustainable sources, which should be a lot, which should be less volatile than the um, fossil fuels that we rely on. Yeah. I mean, yes, that, that's one thing. Uh, fossil fuels are extremely volatile and renewable energy would remove that volatility and thus making inflation less of a thing. But being honest, Inflation reduction is not the main task of, the, of, of this bill, but there are anti-inflationary measures. So we talked about the green energy piece. Um, hell, the IRS getting more money because if the IRS can tax people more effectively, they can remove uh, money from, from the money supply, especially because they're targeting individuals who make over $400,000 a year. And they're the people who are spending, who don't care what the cost of like, groceries are and are in are causing inflationary effects to the economy so the fact that they're getting taxed more which would essentially remove money from the money supply should help uh, should help reduce the effects of inflation uh also 
there are hopes and expectations that other measures uh, beyond this bill are reducing inflation. The fact that tax that gas prices have gone from over five dollars a barrel uh, a gallon to now they're hovering above four, and people are predicting that it'll drop to three gallons of uh, a dollar like soon-ish. Those are measures, in fact, that have stemmed this tide of inflation. In fact, uh, from May to June, I mean, from July to August, the inflationary rate has been zero. So hopefully inflation has peaked. And a large part of that can be contributed to fuel prices going down, which you can argue is because demand is... Uh, Demand has been lowered because of the prices being so high or the fact that China has its own economic problems. So demand is lower on that front. But we're still seeing hopeful signs that the economy is cooling down without necessarily crashing because uh, job numbers are still up. So we're going to see if the, if this balance act works. But there is a lot of investment in the future term to, that will help stabilize prices because solar panels, the price to produce electricity from solar panels doesn't change day to day. It's the same. It's more or less the same thing. So, we that would definitely be an improvement. Yeah. So, anyways, that's uh, I don't know. One of the major changes I think we've seen, especially from a political standpoint, where it's been very competitive and difficult for um, the Democrats to push bills through, um, what is really going to that that I think has been like one of the most awaited bills, at least from a democratic point of view, to finally get passed, because it really does get a lot of things they wanted finally through. Yeah, but it's also, it's a reality of the political environment that you're that we're in, that it's um, a bill that reduces costs, that helps the environment, is essentially, for the most part, it, it a, it took a all-Democratic vote. So this was a party-line vote. All Democrats voted for this bill. All Republicans voted against it. So one one party had no intentions of doing anything. In fact, the last time they were in power, all they did was cut, uh, cut taxes for corporations and the rich and then increase prices on the middle class. But they that's the last thing, notable change they did. They'd made no real investment in the economy, etc. And then the other party... Uh, you had to promise to get rid of the carried interest uh, tax loophole, which Donald Trump ran against. He said he was going to remove this uh, tax loophole, but it's still in the tax code. And Kristen Cinema of Arizona refused to remove it. And that caused a big last second thing. So they had to change the, the funding for it. So they, so they put an excise tax on corporate buybacks. But it's like, you we... Our system is broken where a thing everyone universally agrees is a bad idea is still on the books just because some some wealthy donors say they, they want to keep it. But, like, it's not hopeless. There are solutions to this. And this is why every election matters. Indeed. All right. I feel like we should take a quick break. All right. Let's, we'll see you back after this break. And we're back. And oh my god, have you guys heard of the raid in Mar-a-Lago? Wait, what, is it Mar-a-Lago? All I know is... Uh, it is Mar-a-Lago. Uh, yeah, the FBI is going after Trump. <laughs> They're going after him. Yeah. And, and, and what's the reason? What's the reason they're going after him? So they're going after Donald Trump for, for suspicion of violating the Presidential Records Act. Um, another act that I'm sure is important, but most importantly, the Espionage Act. And so essentially what they said is that when Donald Trump left office, he left office with a bunch of classified materials in boxes and he had them lying around Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago, his private resort, including documents that pertain to national security, which have information on nuclear weapons, private information about the French president and top secret governments, including governments, uh, uh, including um, files that are classified as TSCSI documents, which means not only do you have to have top security clearance to read these, you have to read these in specific rooms that block out like every sort of like telecommunication, radio, etc., electronical, electronic signal to read them. So. It's a big fucking deal. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and wasn't there also uh, statements about him bragging or uh, mentioning possibly selling that information to other sovereign nations well, or individuals? The speculation is that he's in trouble for potentially offering to sell information or revealing this information to uh, foreign governments and adversaries, which is a whole other thing, uh, which... We have not publicly been presented evidence of yet. So that one is speculation. I feel like they realm. would be very careful about going ahead with that because he's still a relatively high-profile individual. And the problem is if you're going to announce or put your evidence out too early on something like this before actually getting a case started, it could lead, I think, aren't there certain issues or could lead to a lot of people getting very riled up and causing something to become a lot more of an issue than it originally was? Oh, I mean, it, it. I don't know. It can get worse, which is very sad to say, but you've already had people attack FBI offices across Arizona and a couple other states. In fact, there was... What a, was a state where there was a shooter that tried to go into an FBI office? Was I that think in, it was uh, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, yeah Cincinnati he, or something? Yeah, he, he, he tried to shoot through a FBI, uh, FBI building and, like, attack agents. He was unable to because the or the, the windows are bulletproof. Uh, anyways, he ended up being chased by the police and there was a shootout and I believe he killed himself or he died in the shootout. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of weird QAnon people doing stuff with the police. Check out Canada. It has a wild QAnon story involving uh, QAnon members trying to arrest the police. Uh, but there, in the U.S., you see an increasing amount of violence towards the FBI. In fact, some Republican uh, uh, congressmen and senators have called to defund the FBI and defund the police, which I truly do not know what to say about that one. Um, where members of the Republican caucus have called to defund the police and say that this is an overreach although many of them have anyways let's just say that um simply having him under investigation is already causing this amount of um undesired action within the nation and that there's probably not going to be any publicly given info any more publicly given info about this raid until uh, the court case finally comes up and the decision is made as to probably avoid having more of this happening. Um, so I honestly would say that this is like more of a story that is good to mention now. And within the next six months, hopefully we'll see a development or a major development coming out of it. Yeah. I expect this to take time before we actually hear any more. Yeah, but there's also a bunch of other like issues involving Trump because like he he's he's a busy guy. He likes to get around and get himself in trouble. Like there's a grand jury investigation in in Georgia. There's the fact that he pled the fifth four hundred times in in New York civil court. There's a criminal investigation in New York. Uh, there's a lot of things going on with the old Donald Trump. And there's also the. Uh, the January 6th committee hearings, there's his allies who are in trouble, like Roger Stone. Uh, what's his name? Who's the conspiracy theorist who says the water makes frogs gay or whatever? Uh, Alex Al Jones. Al uh, oh, Alex Jones. No, I, uh, yeah, he, he got in trouble, especially because his lawyer accidentally sent all of his phone information in a, to the opposing counsel, which is going to, to uh, criminal investigations. So, like, there's a lot going on where... There's a lot of legal scrutiny, and there's there's bound to be a lot of news about them. But yeah, that's Trump world right now. Yeah. Uh, well, otherwise, on the other side of the world, I'm sure there's also uh, some interesting news developing <sighs> in that one country that everyone loves to talk about other than the U.S. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to think of a joke, but the only thing I could come think of is like anime and that would be japan uh but yes yeah, so the obvious choice is china and this is a continuation of a, a trend we were talking about in previous episodes we discussed the fact that there 
to China's COVID lockdowns are hurting the economy. And we are also talking about their housing sector, sector and property sector with, um, what was that company, Noah? Evergrande? Uh, I always got I always got it confused yeah. with the, the with the ship company the the shipping thing that shut down the Suez Canal. I think it was Evergrande. Yeah. But yeah. And also, let's not talk about like the lock total lockdown in Shanghai and such. Which let's not forget, Shanghai is the economic center of China. It is the New York City of China, um, and the that city has been under lockdown for like a good six months in a row and. I think now it's slowly opening back up again, but that really led to even some political, um, what I would say, some political uncertainty, which is incredible for a country like China, which is known to be extremely stable in a political standpoint. Yes, um, but yeah, we're uh, we we've, we've talked about the effects of the shutdowns. If they're not obvious to you yet, it's China is still the world's greatest manufacturer. They make most a lot of goods and services. So the fact that they shut down for months at a time is not good for supply chains, which increase uh, demand and with low supply, increases prices, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but we're talking about more fundamental uh, like Chinese economics, like their domestic market and their housing sector as a quick recap. So Evergrande is one, the largest uh, property developer in China or at least they were the largest property developer in China, their business model included that that they would pre-sell homes. So they would take homes that they haven't built yet. They would go to the Chinese consumer. And it's like, hey, do you want this house? We'll build it in the next five to seven years, but like give us the money now and we'll build it with that money later. And then on top of that, they would borrow a lot from banks to build the property and buy new housing. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So they would keep doing that, and then uh, China started restricting the money markets because they're saying that this debt, uh, that that corp- corporate debt in China is way too high. That they need to have more stringent restrictions, and this led to a problem where Evergrande couldn't borrow cheap money. Well, couldn't as is easily accessible money anymore, and that caused the whole thing where. A lot of people were like, oh, you're not building our homes. We're going to stop paying your mor- our mortgages. And Evergrande can't buy without that money from the mortgages. They're, they can't continue building, which is creating a huge fallout in the Chinese economy. Uh, it's like 2008, but worse, maybe. <laughs> it's very complicated, but it is a very bad situation. And uh, China, uh, in contrast to every other government in the world, where there, most governments in the world right now are fighting inflation, raising interest rates for a central bank, which makes the cost of borrowing money more expensive. China is cutting interest rates and they're fueling more uh, expansionary, expansionary mon- uh, fiscal policy to juice up the economy, to prop up the economy. Uh, yeah. yeah well it's just interesting but you know honestly there's just it's showing that like while we have all these issues locally in the u.s i mean i'm sure a lot of people are aware of this but it's happening kind of on a global scale right now um let's not ignore the war of ukraine is having a huge impact on europe china is having issues of their own the u.s is having issues of its own and all over asia there's also a bunch of issues going on and I don't know. I'm sure, like, there's probably stuff we don't hear about going on in South America and Africa right now. Uh, Africa, one of the largest countries, has had election issues. Um, I forgot what ele- what country it was, but there are contested elections. There's a there's a increasing fear of famine in Ethiopia and a civil war there that's still ongoing. <laughs> um, South America. Oh, I think there's a major election going on in Brazil, which might actually finally push Bolsonaro out, which is. Interesting. Yeah, uh, there's a new uh, there's a new constitution for Chile and one other country, and what country bet all in on um, on cryptocurrencies? Uh, I think it was Ecuador. Um, yeah. What whatever we'll see whatever country invested a lot of their money in Bitcoin, they're going through a financial like collapse. But <laughs> that's a that's a different thing. Oh, and Argentina is still in a sovereign a sovereign debt crisis that seems to be going nowhere. 
um, and Cuba's having issues too. So lots of things are happening all over the world, high inflation in Europe and most parts of Asia. It's just China is notable for the fact that they're doing their problems are so much more different than the rest of the world, yet affect the rest of the world a lot. Because in Europe and the US, we're trying to we're trying to make the cost of borrowing money more expensive. We're trying to reduce inflationary pressures. We're trying to slow down demand. In China, they're doing the opposite because inflation is not their issue. Inf their issue is a collapsing housing sector. So they're trying to make it easier to lend money. They're trying to boost the economy, prop it up, increase demand. It's a very weird time that we live in. Indeed. But anyways, I just felt like that was good to point out because I'm like, hey, you know, we talk a lot about the U.S. And I also know we talk a lot about the world, but, you know, everything's going on. Just that's what it is. And I feel like it's interesting to sometimes point out on a global scale what's going on, because when we feel when we focus too much on what's going on in a local area, like in our own country, then we forget to think about the issues that are happening everywhere else. And it's not just the grass is greener on the other side. No, we are all having a drought and our grass is dying everywhere. <laughs> Jesus, Noah. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, I guess that's a little bit, um, what is it? What do you call it? Like, um, alarmist. But, you know, this is normal that we have things like that that happen. But it's just a good way to think about things is not necessarily you're in the worst part of the world because you're suddenly experiencing all those changes because those changes might be happening in many other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, Anyways, I feel like we should maybe take a break and get on to some slightly less alarming news. <laughs> yes, yeah, slightly less alarming. So we will see you soon. Now... For some less alarming news, let's talk about changes in our motoring lives, where instead <laughs> of going from using combustion engines, we're using electric engines. Um, even the people with pickups can change to electric engines. Like, what's going on? The electric Ford F-150? Yes, America's most popular car uh, with the highest number of sales, the Ford F-150. The electric model is now more available kind of available who knows but <laughs> reviews and impressions came out of the ford uh the electric the electric version of the ford f-150 and it's a great car apparently and it's a very good pickup truck the infotainment system and the computer parts of the car suck but it's a great car uh <laughs> Be or no one. I mean, Noah, you have a car. I don't have a car, so we're not really or and we neither of us have a pickup truck. So this is not really our niche. But from all we uh, I could gather from the internet, it's a very great pickup truck and it does a good job. But I think more importantly, this is an important symbolic step because pickup trucks are the cars that get bought most often every year, and the F Ford Fifty is the most popular car individually in the world in the U.S. Um, so the fact that it's electrifying is just, it just shows the progress that we're making towards, uh, electric vehicles. And it also shows the downsides. Like, yes, we need to work on the charging infrastructure. Yes. It takes forever to charge and like a couple other things, but it's just exciting to see such a big investment in electric cars. Um, even muscle cars with their Mustang Mach-E has a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, rage and like, uh, excitement. Other car companies with muscle cars, they're saying that they're going to discontinue. They're not, they're a combustible engine uh, of muscle cars and they're changing everything to electric. So it's just like the future is now. Wow. We're living in the future. <laughs> yes. But before you get ahead of yourself and think we're living in the future, there's also a lot of things that feel just like the past. Wow. We're still burning coal. Uh, actually, yeah. Coal, coal imports are increasing. I was going to talk about streaming services, but sure, cool. Okay. Um, also, I feel like, uh, what is it? It's hard. It's getting harder for me to not pay subscriptions to watch my shows. 
Yeah, and now everyone's saying like, oh, get me, and then like you can get other streaming services for less money. It sounds familiar. It's it's. I think the word is bundle, like it's a bundle of streaming services. You know, it's kind of like a bundle of random channels and networks, but now it's streaming services. Um, I'm sure they're totally different, because I guess yeah, cable. Same, same companies. Comcast is still involved. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Where to begin? Uh, there's so much streaming news that's been happening in the past couple of weeks. Um, Netflix uh, Netflix said they lost less customers than they expected. Uh, Disney Plus is now the largest streaming service in the world with more users than Netflix and, like, HBO Max. Um Disney Plus just launched She-Hulk, which is supposed to be good or not. Who knows? The internet's divided because nothing, no one can agree on anything anymore. Um, Paramount Plus just announced a deal with Walmart, Walmart Plus where you can get Paramount Plus for free. Uh, Peacock decides that it still wants to exist. Um, Discover, Discover Warner Media. So AT&T being a bad company sold Warner Media kind of. To discover and not the new CEO. You, you, you want to know something? What? Turns out I have Peacock. Why do you have Peacock? <laughs> because it comes for free with a Comcast. Well, I don't know. It's not free. It comes included with a Comcast subscription for internet. I wonder why Comcast Universal would give Universal Studios streaming service for free for a Comcast network. Uh, I don't know. I know. It's beyond me. But. So, so I'm not paying for it. Well, technically, I am indirectly paying for it, but I have Peacock for some reason. <laughs> I, I just felt like it's worth mentioning. What's... Although, I don't know for how long that'll be because I am trying to do something very, very dumb. And I'm trying to change my residential internet access at home to a business class internet access at home. Okay. Um, <laughs> that seems like fun implications on a less nerdy version of this podcast uh but yeah so peacock still exists um discover warner media so at&t is a bad company has a lot of debt they semi-sold warner media to discover network you know the creators of the food network and 90 day fiance and other reality tv shows um that you want to discover Yes, uh, they they've already killed off CNN Plus. Apparently, they have their own streaming service called Discover Plus. Whoever used that, they announced that they wanted to get rid of this of HBO Max next year, the third most popular streaming service. Uh, yeah, and they're gonna cancel everyone's favorite shows from HBO Max because they cost too much money. And apparently, women don't like scripted TV shows. They like reality TV, and men care about plot. Uh, I wish I was making that up, but that's what their uh, corporate meeting said and presentation. Um, yeah, I don't know. So apparently, Warner Media got uh, went from one terrible company to another company that doesn't understand why people like television. Um, as it is in the world of business, we do things wrong and you will like it the wrong way or else. Yeah. That one honestly just confuses me. HBO Max is like, it should be over. It should be doing better than it is doing because it's like, it has a terrible app. No one knows what's on HBO. It's very confusing. What's an HBO show and what's like a, I don't know, a TNT show. Because if you know television, you know those are two different things. Um, everyone kind of forgets DC's in there. DC makes no sense, but they're canceling all the DC shows and movies, even though they're the most successful show. Like, it's a very messy company. It's weird. And it's just getting weirder. And I guess maybe Peacock is maybe Peacock isn't that bad. Because at least you have you know what they kind of do cuz no one knows what hbo's doing but yeah 
So that's oh also everyone's raising their prices. Netflix rose their prices to twenty dollars an hour for their most expensive tier. Disney's raising the prices anywhere between one dollar and five dollars per per month for their varying plans. Um I all oh, Disney's gonna introduce ads in a lot of their streaming services. Netflix is planning their ad network by the end of the year. Uh Paramount Plus still exists. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for streaming news, but it's very confusing and apparently bundles are back. Oh, actually, yeah, I don't really know much about it because I never really use streaming. <laughs> I mean, I guess I have a Netflix account, but I'm not the one paying for it. And I don't really even watch shows that often that it's, it's probably not worth having, actually. But if the rest of the family uses it, it's fine. You have a Hulu account, too. Sure, I pay for it, but you have a Hulu account. That's true. Um, I will occasionally borrow your Hulu account, like, once every two years. <laughs> uh, lastly, uh, Amazon is... Th- this one... Uh, I forgot this news. This is really funny. Uh, so, do you know America's Funniest Videos? Sorry, what do you ask? America's Funniest Videos. I remember that, yes. Okay, so Amazon is going to make a show like that. Well, no, sorry. MGM Studios. Oh, I've heard of it. Yes. Okay. MGM Studios, a company owned by Amazon, is introducing a new show on Amazon Prime about uh, about ring cameras, a company owned by Amazon, and it's supposed to be America's Funniest Ring Videos. So they're basically <laughs> going to use an in-home security system that you install, like their ring cameras, to monitor things around your house. And basically, you can submit content from your ring cameras to then have added to the show. So basically, what Amazon is doing is that they're hoping that they you let them access co- uh, video content from your security system that you bought from Amazon to then put on a show that is going to be presented by Amazon. Created by Amazon. Amazon customers to see. Yeah. That's a little black mirror-ish, huh? Yeah, especially because like Ring gets in trouble for releasing your videos without your permission like all the time. So Yep. Anyways, that's uh that's a thing that's happening. Yeah. And then uh what else is there? If we're talking about the lack of privacy, <laughs> You know, the big trend in privacy lately has been these things called VPNs. Yes. Actually, I'm using a VPN right now. I am not sponsored by a company. I am using a VPN that I created myself. That's a surprisingly easy thing to do. Okay. Um, if you've got a little bit of tech nerdiness. Anyways, VPNs. It's the thing everyone's talking about and everyone's being told to buy because it makes you more secure. What is it? Your, which your, is both true and false. Your YouTube in my video? case, it's... YouTube video ads. Quite true. Uh, Nord VPN. Yeah. Express VPN. Free VPN. Uh, something something VPN. Blah 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 VPN. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, it's just, yeah. Everyone's trying to sell you VPNs nowadays. At least if you go on YouTube. Um, and you know, normally they help reduce some of the tracking that can be on you. They don't actually stop tracking, especially if you're logging into accounts or things like that. But for example, tracking you through your IP is not as valid. But they also allow you, and this is a big one, to access content um, from another location technically, as you can pretend to be from that location. But the reality is this whole idea of they help you stop tracking has now proven to be even less true Thanks if you're using an iPhone and a VPN. Okay. Uh, also, let's be clear. Free VPN services usually sell your information to ad networks. So I don't know about you, but it's like instead of Comcast making money, it's that uh, VPN company making money tracking you. So that's something to keep in mind for all VPNs. Now, <laughs> for... Uh, for iPhone specifically. So it turns out since the the way the iPhone works is they don't terminate all connections or restart connections when you use a VPN or not. So even if you had a good VPN, because of those settings and security features that the iPhone employs, 
most uh, most VPNs are completely useless on the iPhone. Because while it will block most data, it won't block all data. And security researchers have told Apple about this problem for the last two years, and Apple's been like very quiet about it. So if you've been paying a monthly subscription or yearly subscription to a iOS VPN, it probably didn't do anything. They said security researcher says it only really works if you have a device management system because then the VPN is always on and encrypts all that information. But most people don't have always on VPN and most people cannot set up a device management system on their own. It's usually a corporate thing. So yeah, privacy is a myth. Your whole life is out there for sale. I was actually out somewhere, um, and I think I was talking about, like, yeah, um, I have, uh, what was it? It's like, oh, I was talking about it because they were asking about my watch. I have a fancy running watch with a GPS on it, and I'm like, but, you know, it doesn't track me all the time. And they're like, that's what you think. I'm like, yeah, honestly, you're kind of true. It was like. You know, I, I'm pretty confident I'm not getting tracked all that much. And he's like, nah, everything's tracking you. I'm like, as a person who works in computing and IT, it's like, yes, you're right. But also, as a person myself who's paranoid with a world of technology, um, I've done my best to reduce tracking. But, like, even now, it's, uh, I look through a lot of the things I do. Like, for example, for travel... So much information about you is stored for things like airlines and hotels and rental cars. And there's a reason they do it. But also it's like you have so little control over that info about you that they hold. And some places are also very likely to sell that information about you for their own use. Yep, just the world we live in now. Yep. So that's how it be. Uh, yeah, so on that lovely note of no privacy exists anymore, uh, is it a good time to say goodbye? <laughs> yes, uh, Noah has worked tomorrow morning, and I'm enjoying my vacation. So, peace out, guys. Love you all. Please like, subscribe, let your friends know about us. Uh, enjoy our new Instagram content that's coming out because we have an actual person dedicated to that now. Um, please leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out our next episode. Love you guys. See ya. Bye.